Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Point today. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm a little out of breath. I just ran back there. I almost didn't make it. So let's all take a deep breath, okay? Um, now I'm, I've got my breath now. Uh, thanks for being here. I would love to see you after this service if you're here for the first time. Right out there at the welcome experience, I'd love to meet you. Uh, hear a little bit about what brought you here to Life Point today. So isn't it great when we feel special, when we feel privileged, like we got privileged information or something happens to us that just makes us feel like, wow, that made me feel important. A couple years ago, I get an email from someone uh, that's in a famous touring group, and he said he had been listening to my messages online, and he pointed out a couple things I'd said that had been meaningful to him, and I thought, well, that, they really listened. Is it really this person? And so I emailed back and said, this is not you. And we talked back and forth. And sure enough, it was. We exchanged uh, mobile numbers and started texting. And then he said, hey, my band is in town, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And I would love for you and your family to come to the show. Here's backstage passes. You can pick them up here. And until we got there, I wasn't really sure. Like, <laughs> is this for real or not? We get there. Sure enough, there's the envelope. Uh, we walked backstage, we got all the, I felt so important, and we walked back there, and he's introducing me to other people in the band, like, hey, this is, this is a local pastor, and, and just telling people about me, and I'm like, this is awesome, and he said, I don't like to, like, spread this around, so don't tell anybody, and I was like, okay, and then I, inside, I'm going, oh, I'm going to tell people, <laughs> like, people are going to know this, I'm posting this online, and Next year, same thing, text, hey, you want some tickets? And then the next year, we go to lunch, and, and then it's like, hey, anytime, just text me, and you can have tickets. And I felt so important. It's the guy that plays uh, the violin, that, the one that, uh, that was communicating with me, and he's just like, hey, text me anytime. And I felt super important. One time, uh, some of my friends who had been friends for many years with Cinda and I decided they were going to do an international adoption. They didn't tell a lot of people. And then when they were matched with a young ba a baby, they sent us a picture and they said, look at this little boy. We want you to be praying for this little boy. A few months go by, they go to Africa to, to pick up this baby and then they come back and everybody's making over this child how beautiful he is and how blessed and, and just all the things you could imagine. And I'm, I'm in one room one night in a setting where everybody's making over the baby how awesome it is. And I'm thinking, I knew first. I knew before all you people did. I saw his picture. I prayed for him before he ever knew he existed. It just makes us feel important when we have what we deem to be privileged information. We're in a series called Here, where we're talking about the way the birth of Christ was announced to the world. First, it was announced to Mary. Second, it was announced to Joseph. And we're going to be talking about the third, which is a group of people that the birth of Christ was announced to the world or to them. And people get creative when they do birth announcements. Have you noticed that? Either gender reveals or birth announcements, like off the charts. Here, here's a couple of creative ones I thought was really funny. Like this little girl's getting ready to get uh, a baby brother or sister, and she's being evicted from her crib. And then this next one, I love it. Say it with me. Ice, ice, baby. I thought that one was uh, hilarious. So 
that's a couple of ways that just people make birth announcements. And so we're in this series where the birth of Jesus is being announced. Mary got it, then Joseph gets it, and then this group of people who no doubt would have felt extremely privileged to get this information. Their story is recorded in the book of Luke chapter 2. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now if you don't have one. Uh, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. You can keep it. You can also follow along on the screen. All the scriptures are up there too. So in Luke chapter 2, this happened. That night, meaning when Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. Now, it's easy to understand why God would go to Mary because she was going to birth Jesus. It's easy to understand why an angel would go and speak to Joseph because Joseph was going to raise Jesus as his earthly father. But why would the next announcement be to a group of shepherds out in the fields? Because being a shepherd was not like, it was not a career path. It was just something that it more happened to you than something you chose to do. If you weren't the best, if you weren't the brightest, then maybe shepherding would work for you. And so the people who became shepherds rarely did it by choice. There was a, a gentleman doing some repairs on something at my house that I have no ability or desire to be able to do. And I was talking to him about what he did because he was so pleasant. He was telling me his life story and, and what he had been through. And we were just having conversation. And he goes, well, you know, nobody plans to do what I do. It just kind of happened to me along the way. And it was the same with shepherds. It just kind of happened. They lived by themselves. They lived out in the fields, on the outskirts of town. Their lives were spent around sheep. So you know what they would smell like? They would smell like sheep. They would smell bad. They weren't allowed to leave the sheep because they would have been in open fields. Predators might get them. They did not go to the temple to worship like everybody else did. They went to the temple to make deliveries so other people could worship. So they stayed out in the fields and they raised these sheep to be sacrifices when other people would go and worship God. Shepherds were thought to be very suspicious people. They were thought to be thieves and vandals. And they were so sketchy and untrustworthy to the communities around them, they couldn't even testify in a court of law. So this smelly, sketchy group of wanderers gets this news. So picture this. They're in the field. It's the middle of the night. It's completely dark. And boom, this big light shines upon them. No wonder they were terrified. So as soon as they recognize we're scared, it says this. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, cloth lying in a manger. So typically, if you get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning, do you think, well, I wonder what good news someone has to share with me. 
I mean, typically, if you get a call that hour of the morning, it's unsettling. You're not sure what you're going to hear. You're fearful that somebody dies, somebody's sick, uh, somebody missing, like what tragedy has happened that someone would think they should wake me up in the middle of the night and tell me about it. That's what's going on to these shepherds. And this angel assures them, hey, nothing is wrong. In fact, something amazing has happened. And I wanted you to be the first to know. I wanted you guys to know that when you go to the city of David, you will find this baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. Now, why is this good news? Well, these shepherds would have known that there was talk of a Messiah that was coming to earth that not only would come to save their people, but all people. That this would be good news, not for one nation or one race of people, but for everybody, this would be good news. And the reason it's such good news is because they were a part of a system that kept people in bondage to their sin. What would happen was they would raise these sheep and then they would take them and they would sell them and people would sacrifice them. And the people sacrificing the sheep, when they slit slit its throat and it, it died, it would be their sacrifice of something valuable to God and they would walk away saying, now my sins are forgiven. But you know what would happen? They would start out through life again and their sins would start to pile on top of them. Their sins would start to feel, they would start to feel weight and their sins would make them feel this huge disconnect from God. Then they would go back, they would buy another lamb, they would sacrifice it, and they would feel better again. And this just kept going over and over and over. It kept the shepherds in business, but it also kept people living with this feeling of they were never good enough. They could never measure up. They could never be what God wanted them to be. They could never be in the presence of God. They could never be truly, fully, completely forgiven. But then when the angel says to these shepherds, when you see this baby in a manger, which is, would have been where the animals hung out, where sheep would have hung out, where sheep would have been born, when you see this baby, he's going to be wrapped in strips of cloth. Now, if you looked at the Bible in Greek, which is what these words would have originally been written in, the words where we translate strips of cloth, it would have said, when you see a baby swaddled. And that just means wrapped tightly in strips of cloth. To us, that may not mean a lot, but here's what it meant to those shepherds. It meant that they just heard this Messiah they'd heard about was coming who would forgive sins once for all. There wouldn't be this continual circle of sacrifice. It would be one sacrifice for everybody and everybody would be forgiven and everybody could come to this Messiah and their sins would be forgiven forever. So they had heard that story and then this angel tells them the Messiah has been born, but go look for him in this manger and he's gonna be swaddled in cloth. And immediately they would have known something big just happened. Because the symbolism for them would have been this. When a, she, when a lamb was born, the sacrifice was to be spotless, without blemish. And so what a shepherd would do when that lamb was born, they would take strips of cloth and they would wrap it around that little lamb. So it didn't get harmed, it didn't, it didn't get any blemishes on its skin, and they would carry it and keep it safe. 
And so immediately when they heard this baby will be swaddled in cloth, he's going to be wrapped up, they would have recognized that's the lamb. That's the Messiah. That's who we've been waiting for. And part of this good news that the angel is sharing is that this is for all people. Not just this group or that group, but everybody, all people. Not just one nation, not just one race, all nations. Rich and poor, old and young, criminals and saints. Everybody can have access to the forgiveness that comes from this baby, this lamb of God. And they would have immediately known that. They would have immediately understood, this is a big deal. We just got some really important information. Imagine how special they must have felt when they realized all of a sudden they were being chosen to go visit this lamb, this baby. This would have been revolutionary news. And it says, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies." a host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. So what they were saying was, let's go check this out. I wonder what it was like. I wonder what they felt like. Because somehow they found this place. They found Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, and they just show up. Just imagine, you're at the hospital, you've had your baby, and these strangers show up. Hey, we're here to see the baby. We'd like to hang out for a little bit. God told us to come here. Can we hold the baby? You would say, no, you can leave. I read about a guy this week named Dennis Williams who got his phone number accidentally included in a group text from a family that was sending out a birth announcement. And the first text read, we're at the hospital having the baby today. Dennis replied, congratulations, but you got the wrong number. Well, they kind of ignored that and, and they just kept texting this group and texting this group. And then they text a photo and the measurements and all the stats about the babies and baby. And Dennis is still getting this text. And he replies and says, well, I don't know, y'all, but me and the boys will be through to take pictures with the baby. <laughs> and they actually gave him the room. And he said, we're on our way. And she, he showed up with his brother Darius with gifts for this baby. And here's a really cool picture of them in the hospital. That's Dennis and his brother on the left, the baby, the mom, the dad, the baby on the right. They just show up. Hey, we're here to see the baby. Now, normally, a birth announcement, this is a really sweet story, but a birth announcement is not something that we typically share with strangers, that we typically want strangers involved in. Even when I go to the hospital to visit any of you who say, I had a baby, would you come and say, I'll come, I'll be there. So I go and I see a baby and it's quick. I think, well, this is your time at your family. I'll pray. It's like three to five minutes and I'm out. So I know the rules. I know you need to be alone with your family. I'll pray. I'll say, what a beautiful baby. I think it's the most beautiful one I've ever seen. And then I pray and then I go on. <laughs> but you don't want me involved. You don't want me to sit there all day. You don't want me to hang out with you. 
So I wonder how long these shepherds hung out with Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Well, it was long enough for somebody to take a picture because we've got plenty of pictures of it. And actually, this is not even a correct picture. I'm gonna, some of you, rock your world a little bit when it comes to the nativity scene. So the, the nativity scene, if there would have been a picture taken, it would not have looked like that. The people on the right, the wise men that you read about, they weren't even there. They didn't even, they weren't, it, you might think they were there and it sells better nativity sets, makes you feel like you're getting more uh, for your money, but they weren't even there. They didn't show up till Jesus was like a toddler. So an accurate picture with the kings would have been Jesus running around the room, not lying in a manger. But the shepherds were there, Mary and Joseph were there, Jesus was there, and maybe there would have been somebody there that, that kind of helped Mary have the baby through the birth process. But it says this. So after those shepherds were there, Luke goes on and tells the story. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So everybody heard this story. These shepherds had this experience, and then they start telling people about it. People are astonished for a couple reasons. One, the Messiah has been born. He was born in Bethlehem, just like the prophecies told us years before, and here he is, and they're telling everybody about it. Another reason people would have been astonished is because, well, why do those dirty old shepherds know this and I don't? Why didn't God go to the rich people? Why didn't he go to the influential? Why didn't he go to the kings? Why didn't he go to the politicians? Why in the world would he go to these shepherds first? To them, it would have made no sense, and they would have been astonished because, you know, they would have thought they were pretty important people. And then God shows them what's important, and he goes and he gives this news to these shepherds, and they start going and telling people these fringe members of society are so excited, they start telling people. And that's convicting to me. If these uneducated outcasts can go talk about Jesus, then I think anybody who's a follower of Christ should be able to talk about what they've experienced. They had an important part to play in taking the message of Jesus to the world. They saw him, they told people, and then, and then it says they went back to their day-to-day -day life. But actually, what the language really suggests is they continually, continually shared what they experienced with others over and over for as long as they could. Whoever they could talk to, whoever would listen, they go back to the same life, but they're different. And when we have this experience with Jesus... Yeah, go back to your same job and your same family and, and have the same dinner, but be changed. Like they, they were different forever. They went back to doing the same thing every day, but something was different in here because all of a sudden they realized how worthy they were to hear this news before the rest of the world got to hear it. So here's what I can learn from that that I am worthy of participating in the greatest event in history. 
it may take a lot of things to make you feel worthy, like somebody emailing you and tell you like they did, like the guy did me, hey, I've been listening to you. That, I felt really important when he did that. But can you imagine how important these shepherds felt and how worthy they felt? Because a lot of things in this world can make us feel unworthy. You may have seen the video in the last several days of a mom who was interviewing her son in the car after she picked him up from school. She was asking him questions about his day, and he ends, the conversation is about him being bullied again. And he's talking about what these kids have done to him, and this video has gone viral, so much so that uh, sports stars, uh, movie stars have caught on to it. And they read, or watched the video, and they showed up at his school, and he got tickets to movie premieres and sporting events. And what happened was, people with influence saw this kid and said, this kid is not worthless. This kid deserves attention. This kid deserves a break. And they did something about it. God can see, God sees the way the world can leave us. The way we can believe things about ourselves that aren't true. The way somebody can make us believe things about ourselves that's not even true. And God sees the way the world can leave us beaten up and torn down and hurt and angry and overlooked. And he says, it's not going to be that way. Because every single one of you is worthy of the greatest event in history. It happened because of you. So God's announcement to an unwed teenager, a carpenter, and a bunch of no good shepherds. That was the first way he chose to bring the announcement of Jesus in the world. He could have, could have gone to anyone. He could have gone out in the suburbs where the people who do quite well are living. He could have gone to anybody with great influence. Why did he choose to go to the very bottom of society on that day? And start there. Why did he choose to let Jesus be born to an unwed mother and a dad that probably was given a hard time the rest of his life for it? And then a bunch of shepherds who were outcasts because he knew inside of each one of us exist those people that feel like life is messed up, that feel like I've made some mistakes. And you might try to mask it with all kinds of stuff on the outside, but he knows deep down inside we can relate to those shepherds because you know what it's like to get left out. You know what it's like to feel different. You know what it's like to be disappointed. And I think he started there so we will know that this gospel of Jesus is for everybody. If he had started at the top, the people at the bottom of society would have felt like, well, that's not for me. So he started at a place that makes it clear this good news is for everybody. A lot of things this time of year especially can make you feel unworthy. Maybe you don't have the money that you really want to have to be able to buy what you want to buy. Or maybe it's deeper than that and it's relationships that you see other people enjoying that you don't have. Or regret because of something you've done. Or you're lonely again. You need to know that you have a place in God's family and you're worthy of receiving everything that God offers everyone. And the beauty of this story is that 
We don't have to go back every single time and say, God, can you save me again? God, can you save me again? Here's my sacrifice. Can you save me again? That doesn't happen after Jesus shows up. We go to Christ, we ask him to forgive us, we are forgiven once for all, everything we're ever gonna do, and as we live a life that acknowledges, hey, we're imperfect people and we're gonna make mistakes, he says, you're forgiven. And you're worthy to be forgiven no matter what you've done, no matter what's happened to you. So you are worthy to participate in the greatest event in history. James, the brother of Jesus, says this in James chapter two. Listen, dear friends, isn't it clear by now that God operates quite differently? He chose the world's down and out as the kingdom's first citizens with full rights and privileges. This kingdom is promised to anyone who loves God. And when we come to fully embrace the fact that God invites us to be part of his family and you say yes to Jesus and you realize that you are worthy, you know what happens next? You need to realize this. Everyone has a part to play in presenting Jesus to the world. And if you're a follower of Christ, your part is really not that difficult. It's actually really simple. Our part is to have an experience with Jesus and go talk about it. That's it. That's our part. Have an experience and go talk about it. That's what the shepherds did. That's what the next group of people did who met Jesus and the next and the next and the next. And if you could trace it all throughout history, we're here because somebody was serious about doing their part in taking Jesus to the world. We simply share what we have seen and heard with all who will listen. That's it. In the first century church in Acts, this is all recorded how they were told by the government, stop talking about Jesus. They were told by people who didn't believe, stop talking about Jesus. And they responded with this, you can judge for yourselves. But we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. So when you have an experience with Jesus, all he asks is go tell somebody else about it. In the next week, we're going to start to see, as you're scrolling through social media, you're going to see some posts. You're going to see people post their new car. You're going to see people post their, their new clothes or their new gifts or their trip or whatever it is they did. Even people who actually would go to Disney over Christmas. I did that once. Don't do it. It's a mistake. It's a trap. But they will post pictures. Why? Because it's an experience that they want to share with their friends. And we're such a digital culture, we tend to do it through pictures online so everybody else can see how awesome our life is. So you're going to see that. You're going to see people celebrating and sharing what they've experienced. They just tell somebody about it. And when we say that we have a part, we're saying, experience Jesus, and then share that with somebody. That's what the shepherds did. They shared what they had seen and what they had heard. And that's the way the story has been told ever since. People see, experience, and people share. One person tells another, and one person tells another, and one person invites another person in. You don't have to have a theology degree to do that. You have way more influence collectively than I could ever have, no matter how many weeks in a row or days in a row I stand up here and tell you things. You have way more influence to spread the message of Christ than any one person ever could have 
no matter how many people might show up to hear them talk for 30 minutes. You have the influence, and you don't need anything special. All you need is an experience with Jesus. And this time of year, people are amazingly open more than they ever are. There's a couple times a year. It's our big holidays. It's Christmas and it's Easter. Those two holidays together represent 50% of people that walk in the doors of church for the first time. 50% in a year will come on those two days. That means over the next week as we do all of our Christmas services, about 25% of the people who will visit our church in the next 12 months are going to come in the next week or so. We have an opportunity to use our influence and our experience with Jesus to do one of the simplest things you could do. Hey, would you like to join me? Hey, would you like to come with me? And that might, it just might lead to a conversation where you can talk about what Jesus has meant in your life. It's that simple. You know why it's that simple? It's because you're worthy of the greatest message that's ever been given to mankind. You're worthy to share that. You're worthy to experience that. And you're requested to ask other people to join in. That's what God does for each of us. He picks us up when we feel unworthy and says, you're worthy. You're not only worthy to save, you're worthy to be my mouthpiece to people who need to find my son so the once for all sacrifice can be known to the whole world. You're worthy to save and you're worthy to take that and share. I just want to encourage you, take that opportunity with whoever you're around to say, hey, why don't you come and join me? Why don't we come and check this out? And today, if you're feeling like, I still don't feel worthy, one of our pastors will be down front afterwards, and we would love to guide you through a decision to say, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I believe he can save me, and I believe he can make me a whole new person. We'd love to guide you through that. May you feel the worthiness in your heart that God has placed on you. If he can go to a group of shepherds who are outcasts of culture, he can come to you and share the great news of Christ with you. Please go and share that with your friends. Let's pray. God, we are so in awe of the way you will use any of us to help other people get to you. And God, for the people right now in this room that feel unworthy, I pray that this story of the shepherds would help them see that they are worthy. And no matter what the world's done to them, that you want them to know their worth. And God, for those people who have never experienced that once for all sacrifice that comes for, from Jesus, may they experience that today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.